Hello, everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when the office actually ended, because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hi, everyone. Today, we will be discussing Season 5, Episode 22, The Dream Team. In this episode, Michael starts his business, Pam has some regrets, and the office gets soccer crazy. We kick off this episode with a cold open that kind of harkens back to the previous episode where we saw Charles put Kevin in charge of kind of the phone systems. And it does not appear to be going very well, which was to be expected. Right. Kevin is not the best candidate for this phone system. Although I will say, to be fair to Kevin, those phone systems are not super intuitive. It is the right sequence of buttons at the right time. And if you don't have the handbook or if you don't have it down, I've definitely dropped a call before of trying to transfer to somebody else at a job. And I just hoped that they call like you, there's nothing you can do besides hope the person calls back and isn't too annoyed by it because yeah, you, you probably didn't get to the point of getting their name or name and number. Right. But in this situation, it seems pretty straightforward. Right. (laughs) As Kevin is struggling to do this. Well, at first Kevin's, system of transferring phone calls is answering the phone and then yelling to whomever the phone call is for that the phone is for them and then that person has to come up to the front desk to talk on the phone you know what's so sad gen z kids and younger will never like experience that so when everyone had a landline and you just happen to be the person that answered the phone and then you're like mom phone and like you know most people had phone you know multiple landline phones so there usually was one like in my parents bedroom for instance and so if she was near there that's where she'd get the phone at and then it's like okay i got it put the phone down right (laughs) now everyone just has their own own cell phone yeah so that's that is kind of a like that was a fun part of the landline i thought sure and so and we see another instance where kevin has yelled at the person who the phone is for and jim stops and it's in this case it's andy and jim stops andy and says to kevin hey we we got it before we can do this again and this is where we see that this is a pretty simple process and it's one that i have used on phones before where it's there's a button that says transfer on it you hit transfer you put in the extension and then you hit transfer again basically the tough part here is getting the the extension correct which is what kevin is struggling with apparently andy's extension is 134 and kevin is not putting the correct extension in and so it's sending it to other people's phones and so he has to run around the office and (laughs) answer the phone again and say hold on let me transfer you your call is very important and i think after three or four tries it finally gets to andy apparently there isn't a list of everybody's extension at the desk that would solve that problem pretty pretty easily 
we kick off the main part of the episode with day one of the Michael Scott Paper Company. We see Pam pull up to Michael's condo, which is their office building at this time, ready for the first day. And she goes to the front door and Michael answers in a bathrobe and Pam is immediately kind of questioning what's going on here. And as this scene progresses, we really get a sense of why Michael not just answers the door in his bathrobe, but does other very odd things as well. And it is because it is very clear that Michael is struggling with getting this business off the ground. Yes, Pam has retained some of that excitement and we can do this feeling that she had at the end of last episode. You know, there's trepidation, but as she walks in, she says, you know, we have a leg up on Apple. Apple started in a garage. We're starting in a condo. And she's sort of ready to go. And Michael is the one that's really having these doubts. And so in order to delay facing those doubts and fears and what all it's going to take to launch a company, he says, we'll get started after breakfast. So let's just make breakfast. And so his plan then is to prolong the making of breakfast as long as possible and basically make, I mean, entire loaves of French toast. So Pam decides, I'm going to step up here. I'm going to be sort of the calming influence and just put this into digestible parts. And we're going to make a list and we're going to figure out what's the easiest to do. Because Michael is is still insisting that they really can't get started until breakfast is over, he's whipping, he's beating the eggs to make the French toast, to dip the bread in. And so he's holding the bowl and Pam's trying to say, okay, we've done that. You have an, an entire ginormous stack of French toast already made up. Let's put down the eggs. Let's put away the bread move on to the next thing but Michael won't give her the bowl so then Pam lets go and Michael in his robe and Crocs is now covered in egg and so this is kind of the breaking point for Michael he he kind of snaps and is just like I don't know what to do I can't do this like this is just an impossible thing and so this is where Pam steps in and tries to break things down into small pieces on this list and she does a good thing where she starts the list with things that are already accomplished so eat breakfast work out because we see Michael using his ab crunch thing <laughs> that thing can't do anything well definitely not the way he was using yeah, it. yeah yeah um, and get dressed is the next thing and Michael still is kind of struggling here he says that he needs to find a hundred clients before he gets dressed And Pam is just like, no, that's impossible. We need to get this into manageable things. And so Michael finally comes around. He's like, okay, we need to assemble a sales team. And Pam's like, okay, good, we can do that. And 
Michael says that he wants, he already has a couple people in mind, Ryan being one of them. <laughs> Pam is immediately dismissive of that. And Michael also mentions Vikram, one of the people that he met when he was doing his moonlighting at the telemarketing company. He also says that they have an investor meeting lined up already. And so Pam has kind of gone from having to be the rock here to being kind of impressed by the progress Michael has already made. Curtis, are you a list maker? Does that help you when you feel overwhelmed? No, I don't think so. Like, I guess maybe mentally I do that, but never like pen and pen to paper. Rarely, I guess not never, but rarely do I do like a pen to paper, write it down list. You are a list maker. Yes. I was going to say, listeners, as someone that knows Curtis pretty well, and you might have discerned from his statement there, he's also not someone that gets overwhelmed. He He's somewhat unflappable in many situations, so he doesn't have need for for lists like us, us mere mortal people. Thanks. <laughs> I mean that in a good way, in the sense that I have come a long way, but, you know, especially during like college and law school with big projects would really get overwhelmed with the, like seeing the forest and not the individual tree on you know, a semester long project or like law review stuff or something. And now I think do a much better job of, of like Pam said, okay, let me make a list and just cross off the easiest things or take that initial first step to get started. So then it's not this huge project or huge amount of things that I have to get done. Like I can, you know, break it down step by step and then that helps me feel better when I put it out on pen to paper. I don't really like lists on my phone or, you know, digital lists or something. Like something about having it pen to paper and being able to cross it off is satisfying. And just saying, okay, it's out of my head now. Um, it's down somewhere concretely. Like now I can take it on. Curtis is... And I don't mean to embarrass him, but he just is, like I said, he's just unflappable, like, and is a lot more of a mentally healthy person. <laughs> and so is able to sort of do those things naturally. Anyway, we next see Michael and Pam in the car driving to pick up Vikram. And once they get him... Michael says they are on their way to the investor meeting, but he needs to stop for a bathroom break. And he stops at a bowling alley. And as Vikram and Pam are waiting in the car, Vikram points out that Michael has been in there for a while and wonders if Michael got distracted and started bowling. And Pam says that, yeah, that's possible, which it, uh, it very much is, but she, I think she kind of, thinks something else is up here and we do see that something definitely is up here Michael is talking to Ryan and trying to convince him to come aboard the Michael Scott paper company 
I was confused or maybe misremembered. I didn't realize Ryan had quit Dunder Mifflin when he was going on his Thailand trip. And so now that to find him working in the bowling alley is a little bit jarring. Ryan also has like bleached blonde hair and is not really all that excited to see Michael. He just says he's pretty busy and his boss definitely doesn't like that he's just chatting. Yeah, remember because I think it's right after Kelly breaks up with Daryl because Michael brings Ryan back in and we talked about how there's no way he would be able to still work for Dunder Mifflin. Right. And so right when, I think it's right after Kelly breaks up with Daryl to be with Ryan, Ryan's like, oh, I have to go to Thailand. Right. Like he had this trip planned or whatever. So Michael says like the selling point to Ryan is imagine that there's this company that can hire you because they have no history of your past conduct because they have no files, which is not how that really works. Pam is somewhat disgruntled that Michael's in there trying to recruit Ryan for this business. I mean, Ryan's not really all that motivated. He's not really a great employee. He obviously has a history at Dunder Mifflin. And Michael tells her that everyone deserves a second, second chance. So Ryan decides to join the Michael Scott Paper Company sales team. And they head off to the investor meeting, which turns out to be with Michael's grandmother's investment group at her nursing home. (laughs) Michael told Pam it was a local investor. And it does seem like a real legitimate investing club because they have, it's not like they just give out money willy nilly. Yeah. And so Michael presents to the, this club what he calls his sales dream team. And so I would like to take this moment to compare the sales dream team to the actual dream team formed for the 1992 Barcelona Summer Olympics for USA Basketball. Okay. We'll start with Michael. In my mind, Michael is kind of like Magic Johnson. How so? Past his prime, but still has some tricks up his sleeve, can, can lead a team. I'm probably giving Michael way too much credit here because Magic Johnson wasn't near as incompetent (laughs) at this point or ever in his career as Michael is now. Okay. Was Magic Johnson like captain of that team? Do we know? I don't know if anybody was a true captain, but yes, probably him and Larry Bird were kind of the, like they were the head, they were the, the heads of the league at that time, pretty much. Okay. Vikram is Michael Jordan, in my mind. (laughs) Clearly the best player on the team. And there is a moment where they, right after they get Ryan on board and they are driving away, Vikram is like, come on, guys, what are we doing? These are prime selling hours. And then it's just a very... Michael Jordan thing where they are 
in the process of like getting things together and Vikram's like, no, 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 we got to be working here. We need to be better than everybody else right now. Sure. That's a good analogy. This is another reach probably, but Pam is, I'm going to say Charles Barkley. Uh, Many people say that the, if you have ever seen any kind of documentary on the dream team, whether it be for the last dance that we played, last summer or basically anything else the 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 narrative is that this was the passing of the torch from Magic Johnson and Larry Bird to Michael Jordan after the dream team it was Michael Jordan's league however a lot of people say that the best player in this tournament was Charles Barkley he kind of made his name and kind of moved from a you know a very good player into one of the best players in the league following this tournament. And so I think that's Pam. She kind of goes from being the receptionist to now she's in this new place. She's in sales. She's one of the original people in the company. She kind of has moved up a tier in her professional life. Yeah, I think that's a really good analogy. But also, same for Michael and Magic Johnson, Pam still is not, as we will see later, still isn't finding her niche here. Sure. And Ryan is Christian Leitner. Uh, I wonder, I I guessed that one. Just kind of there off of (laughs) accolades alone. No one else wants him there. Christian Leitner was... The only college player on the team, he was, I think he had just finished his senior year at Duke. Mike Krzyzewski, his coach at Duke, had some involvement in the USA basketball program at the time. So that's probably how Christian Leitner got his spot on the team. Ryan just is a guy that continually just gets opportunity after opportunity. And Christian Leitner, for no fault of his own, if you have never seen the 30 for 30, I Hate Christian Leitner, it's fantastic. It is really good. I am one that hates Christian Leitner for prob- the exact reasons that get played out in that sh- in that documentary. Sure. But after watching that, like I did earn a little bit of respect for him. I think you just get this kind of influenced view of him, like for reasons like this, where he had that one big moment at Duke, but he was a four-year starter. Mm -hmm. He was put on the dream team, and I probably didn't play a minute. He was on a team full of first ballot Hall of Famers, and he's probably not going to be that. But he did end up having, I think, like a double-digit year career in the NBA. Like, he wasn't just some slouch. I thought I remembered from that 30 for 30 somehow, because this was like the switching point of amateurs to professionals or somewhere around this time. And so they were still like USA basketball was still trying to have at least one amateur on the team or one college person. And so, yeah, and he had Duke had just won like another championship. And I'm sure Mike Krzyzewski had influence there, but that's, how he got chosen right and so ryan is 
a just kind of average guy on mm-hmm. a team full of better people here. Yeah, and is only selected because of who's running the show. Yes, that's a very good point. So back to the investment meeting. Michael starts off really, really well. And you can see that not just the investment group board is impressed, but Pam it looks very impressed. Vikram also kind of sees where Michael is coming from. But as we get into the extended presentation, we see that this is more of the Michael that we have always seen and that he knows the big picture. He knows the right words to say. He can make things sound great, but then when pressed for details, he doesn't know those things. He is not smart enough to be able to put together the minutiae of a business. And unfortunately, that's where he sort of falls flat on his face for this meeting as well, because his grandmother asked, well, what's your mission statement? And that should be something sort of simple, like an easy sell to an investing group. And he doesn't have it. He kind of does his word vomit, find it along the way sort of thing. And, and honestly, he already said it. He said, like, he, in in his, like, opening statement, he says something along the lines of, we want to provide low-cost paper, blah, blah, blah. And so that's his mission statement is yes. provide low-cost paper with, quality customer service or something like that he wants to provide like same day delivery cut down prices he he's basically trying to undercut other paper sales essentially dunder mifflin by doing something kind of impossible such as that same day delivery you get enough volume of clients you're not gonna be able to keep up with that So he doesn't really have the right answers for the investing club. And what really seals the deal for his grandma is when she kind of balks at that mission statement and he says, well, we can sell anything. We can sell medicine. We can do whatever. And she says, well, that's my problem. You're not, you don't have this actual business plan for the idea you have. You just have like this half-baked idea. Which was the problem when Michael was trying to recruit people last episode. He didn't have anything for anyone to go on. Pam just wanted something different. So the investing club declines. And that really takes the wind out of Pam's sales. Also, Vikram decides, you know what? I'm out. I can tell this is not really going to work out take me back to the telemarketing place. And so when they get back to Michael's condo, Ryan rushes into the condo to watch TNT for some reason. And that leaves Pam and Michael in the driveway. Michael has gotten out of the car. Pam is still sitting in the car. And she is wondering why she was the only one to join Michael in this pursuit and she says that she just gets bored and then she tries new things and then she aims so big that there's no way that she could live up to the things that she has aimed for here 
Right. The gravity of the choice that she has made is now really setting in because she's realizing that a week ago, she sat 10 feet away from her fiance. She had a steady job with a steady paycheck and health benefits. And now she's working at a company that has no funding, no place of business because they got a note from the condo association saying it's a violation of your lease to run a business out of your condo and that could terminate your lease. And that has no clients. Like this is a true startup venture without anything to go off of. And so she says, what was I thinking? Like, why would I have done this? No one else thought this was a good idea. And Michael tells her that he thrives when people don't believe in him. He gives an example that makes absolutely no sense. When he was in high school, his math teacher told Michael that he was in danger of flunking out. But then the next night, Michael went out for the school hockey team and scored the most goals in a game which has nothing to do with flunking out of math class and or high school. But Michael tells her they can do this. They, he's going to call around. He's going to find some office space. They're going to figure it out. Michael does, in fact, find some office space. He calls the building manager for the office park where Dunder Mifflin is located and asks if there is any open office space there Preferably free. Preferably, yes. Preferably for free. And we we are only hearing the one side of the conversation here. And Michael says that, no, there's no way I could take that. That would be humiliating. And we see right after this that Michael says that he kind of had to suck it up in order to push this dream further and to kind of give Pam some stability here. And so he accepts the humiliating offer, which was basically a large, almost like janitorial closet. Yeah, there's some like water hookups and it just looks like storage space. And so they accept it and that's where the Michael Scott Paper Company will be located. And apparently there is no rental fee for this just open storage space. Meanwhile at Dunder Mifflin, some things change while some things always stay the same. Charles has now put himself in charge of the branch while they look for Michael's replacement. And he seemingly has a firmer grip on just kind of the day-to-day processes. They are having a meeting and he says that, you know, people can come to him to talk about day-to-day things and as he is getting ready to get into this meeting like Stanley kind of pulls gets settled into his crossword and Charles just kind of gives him a look and Stanley puts that away and as Charles is going through the meeting Dwight is making notes and is breathing differently according to Jim and so they are kind of having a back and forth until Charles snaps at Jim and shuts that down also. Andy, seeing that Charles is now the person to suck up to, starts sucking up to Charles. Immediately. He asks him a question in the meeting that is essentially just, 
restating what Charles said as a question. He then later is sitting at his desk and puts up a screensaver of just pictures of soccer stuff. So like a team photo and another action shot. And Charles walks by and is like, oh, big soccer fan, huh? And Andy's like, oh, oh, you caught me. You weren't supposed to see that. I'm, I'm just a closet soccer guy. And Charles is like, oh, well, you know what? That makes two of us. I'm a big soccer fan too. And so this kind of starts a ripple effect in the office. Other people get in on this. As Andy is talking to Charles about Pele, Stanley says, oh, I'm more of a, and he looks at some notes that he made, a Diego Maradona fan. Which I wouldn't think Stanley would be getting in on this, but maybe because of the crossword puzzle incident from the earlier meeting. Kelly and Angela are very in on this for differing reasons because they're both trying to, you know, woo Charles. Jim is kind of feeling that he is on thin ice. And so he would not normally partake in something like this. And so when Charles asks Jim, hey, are you a soccer guy? Jim's like, no, not really. And Charles is just kind of like, a, huh, no, huh. Well, that, you know, that makes sense. Yeah, not for everybody. Yeah, and Jim says that, no, he, he doesn't watch it because he's more of a player. <laughs> and he's not lying because, like basically every kid in America... Jim did used to play soccer, and he said he played from second to fourth grade, and he was on the orange team. Dwight calls Jim out and says, really? I've never heard you talk about it. You're so modest. Jim really tries to just kind of shut down the conversation and move on, but Dwight says, well, why don't we set up a game, and we can all kick the soccer ball around, and Charles surprisingly loves that idea and decides that after work they're gonna just play soccer in the parking lot in their work clothes and so that is what happens and Jim says that he is going to do his best to touch the ball as little as possible and chalk up his good performance to teamwork (laughs) and so the game is going on and there is a moment where Charles just absolutely blasts the ball at Jim and Jim ducks and it hits Phyllis in the face. Which from the standpoint of what Charles was doing makes no sense. Not at all. There, I don't know what Charles was trying to accomplish. Besides blasting Jim. Yeah, yeah. Like if Jim doesn't duck, that smokes him in the head. But like, <laughs> again, if Jim's not there, that ball goes sailing like, over the over like the trees that are lining the parking lot like yeah don't know what charles is trying to accomplish here then charles completely turns on jim and is like jim why'd you duck you did this to phyllis dwight piles on yeah why would such an experienced player duck out of the way of a ball but like we said what charles did because it seems like maybe he was about midfield based on their you know, cones or whatever that they put out. He wouldn't have been shooting a goal from midfield at through Jim. I don't know. Yeah. So then poor Phyllis, 
which I believe was another part of her audition for the role of sadness in Inside Out. She's just holding her face and and moaning because she really did get blasted by the ball, kind of similar to when in season four when they're like throwing around a football in the parking lot and Pam just wailed uh, the football right at the side of Meredith's head. So that's really all we see at the office. We do get a shot of Pam, Michael, and Ryan returning to the office building. And there is just a brief confrontation between Michael and Charles. And Michael basically just says, hey, you're on notice. Just watch your back for us. And so that does it for the episode. Let's go to the annex with Antoinette and find out any fun facts about the episode. This episode ends the hiatus of BJ Novak's character because he was shooting in Glorious Bastards. He wrote this episode. It was Mindy Kaling's idea for him to bleach his hair. And so for the entirety of when they, from when they shot this episode to when it actually aired, BJ Novak would wear like a baseball cap in public including at a Q&A, like, fan conference sort of thing to keep the surprise going, which I'm like, wait, but they already would have filmed it. Why is, would his hair still have been bleached at that point? Who knows? So this episode aired on the same night as what will be the next episode, the Michael Scott Paper Company, and in between... Dream Team and Michael Scott Paper Company, the debut episode of Parks and Rec aired. On the NBC run Dunder Mifflin Infinity.com website, after this episode aired, they put up a sort of flash game in which you could play soccer in the parking lot and try to get a soccer ball past Jim to hit Phyllis. <laughs> and that's all I have for the annex. Curtis, what firings did we have this episode? We lose Michael on the first day of his brand new company when Pam goes to the door and knocks on his condo door. Michael answers and says, oh, good. My hooker is here. (laughs) It is Michael's 11th firing of the season. It's his 48th overall. He is also on a run of being fired in like seven of the last eight episodes, something like that. He started off very slow in this season, but he is making up for lost time. Also problematic is that he's not wearing anything under his robe and flashes Pam. So this would be the second time she has inadvertently seen his manhood area. What is your Dundee for this episode? My Dundee is the go along to get along credo. And that goes to Jim for his work philosophy, which is how many people approach many things, be it their work life, their academic life, or just life in general. When he's talking about not wanting to be a suck up to the boss, he says that his work philosophy and his way to impress the boss is to go in every day and do mediocre work half-heartedly. And that has always worked out for him. And I think that depending on where you work and how invested you are in your job and how much is being asked of you, that is 
many people's approach sometimes to their job. What is your dundee? The Big Dummy Award goes to Pam because throughout this entire episode, she just gets duped by Michael. Yeah. She, I mean, first of all, she shouldn't have left her job at Dunder Mifflin to follow Michael, knowing very well who Michael is. She has seen it firsthand. She was on the that lecture circuit with him. She knows he's not smart. Followed him to a half shell of an idea, not even a real company. Yes. And so when she sees Michael procrastinating and not having a fully formed idea as to what this business is going to be, rather than jump ship, she talks Michael into trying to, you know, get things together and get this thing off the ground. Because I believe at this point, she could probably go to Charles, hat in hand, say, I'm eating crow. Can I please have my receptionist job back? Especially seeing how bad Kevin is at that job. Exactly. Then later in the episode when, you know, it's been clear that Michael has no idea what he's doing and she freaks out, she allows Michael to talk her back into supporting him and trying to get this thing done when he wasn't even very good at talking her into it. Like you said, like you said, he says he thrives under pressure and he gives this antidote that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. He also says that they are in, they are both in the same position in that they both quit their job and left to start this company. And so now their options are to either make this work or nothing. And that's not at all the only options. Pam could, like you said, go back to Dunder Mifflin. She could apply for another job. Right. She could maybe even finish at Pratt or see what design opportunities she has from her time at Pratt. Like, she never explored that option. Yes. And so Pam is now lying in the bed that she made herself. It is her fault that she is in this position. She never should have left to join Michael in the first place. And now here they are at the end of a rope and Pam's for some reason surprised that she's here and is freaking out. And it's Mm -hmm. like, well, you should have known better. Yeah. Who is your employee of the month? I chose Dwight for not getting sucked in to plain kiss up to Charles about the soccer thing and for kind of calling Jim on it and just trying to point out how ridiculous this is. Now, there will come a time in later seasons where Dwight will have to play up to a new boss, but that's just not him. And I appreciate that, especially because everyone else led by Andy is taking this very nutty approach. Who is your employee of the month? I'm going to go co-employees of the month with Nana and Vikram for (laughs) seeing the writing on the wall and not getting into bed with Michael on this harebrained scheme. Now, spoiler alert, this does end up working out for everyone in the Michael Scott paper company. However, not necessarily in a way that would have benefited either Nana or Vikram 
had they stayed on. If Nana was to you know actually invest with the Michael Scott Paper Company, which then gets bought out by Dunder Mifflin, she would have stood to make money. However, the details of the buyout would not have done that for her, and we will get into that at a later episode. Yes. So that does it for this week's episode. Please follow us on Twitter at DownsizingPod to get all the latest updates. And be sure to keep listening to us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to us. Be sure to rate, subscribe, like, and comment wherever you can. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.